Amina is an activist during the Arab Spring. Her blog, Gay Girl in Damascus, attracts readers from around the world. When she's mysteriously abducted, her followers mobilize, desperate to save her. What they find shocks them. I'm Samira Moyedin, the host of Gay Girl Gone, a new six-part series from CBC. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Hi, I'm Dr. Brian Goldman. Welcome to The Dose. All summer long, while White Coat Black Art takes a break, we're bringing you our weekly podcast that answers your pressing health questions and helps you understand the latest health news. This week, we're tackling something I know a lot of you are interested in. The dreaded extra pounds some of us have gained during the pandemic lockdown. Some have called it the COVID-19. Yikes. For months, while we were stuck at home, a lot of us learned how to bake sourdough bread and stuffed ourselves with comfort food. When we weren't on a Zoom meeting, we've been snacking in the kitchen. It's amazing how many steps you avoid when you work from home. One survey found one in 10 Canadians gained weight during the lockdown. That seems a bit low to me. So this week on The Dose, we're answering the question, what's the best advice for losing my COVID-19 pounds? To answer that question, we've got Bridget Wilder. Good morning. Bridget, is that you? It's Brian Goldman here. How you doing? Good morning. Nice to meet you. I'm doing fantastic. She's a dietitian and author. She's also got skin in the game. She was once a yo-yo dieter who eventually lost 165 pounds and has mostly kept it off. She coaches people on how to meet their weight goals and, just as importantly, get healthier before and during the pandemic. She's at her home in Milwaukee. Bridget Wilder, welcome to The Dose. Thank you. Hello. How many people have been contacting you during the pandemic for help in managing their weight? It has been innumerable at this point. I have been counseling um, individuals, couples, and doing group sessions. What have they been telling you about how their eating habits have changed during the pandemic? Well, for example, a lot of people are snacking heavily during the COVID-19 crisis. And it doesn't have anything to do with food in and of itself. I always teach my clients that food in and of itself is not the enemy. But oftentimes, it's the things that cause us to eat. For example, there's a difference between physical hunger and emotional hunger. Physical hunger is, is your body's responding to you to choose food, no matter what it is, just as long as you can make me survive. Whereas emotional foods are foods that are usually based on comfort, snacky foods, sweet foods. When you're in an emotional state, oftentimes foods that tend to make you feel good emotionally have a sweet taste or a salty taste. They are soothing to a point until you realize that, oh my gosh, now I have gained weight behind this. And so now people are finding their finding themselves in a position trying to pull themselves away from that. Let me give you an example of what emotional eating is, if you don't mind. Go ahead. For me, um, I don't know if I'll share this with your viewers. I became a widow at the age of 30, 35 years old. And my husband died from congestive heart failure. And I also had a child that died from leukodystrophy. And I, me and my husband had 10 children. So I was left to raise nine children alone. So during, this is how I learned what emotional eating does. 
during the time of my grief and taking care of my sick loved ones, I couldn't focus on my health, nutritional wealth, because emotionally I was all over the place. So it's easy for me to connect with my clients because I understand what happens to your body when we're in stress mode, when it comes to our nutritional choices. So oftentimes, um, because I have that connection and I understand the difference between emotional and physical hunger, it makes the clients understand when I explain to them the connection between the mental and the, the food choices that they make, if that makes sense. That actually does make a lot of sense. Um, are, are some of these these uh, foods that you're talking about, I think a lot of them are highly processed foods that contain salt yes. and sugar. Uh, do they do something in our brains? Are they are they hitting endorphin receptors and making us feel temporarily better? Absolutely. So our body releases a natural hormone called cortisol when we're in stress mode. And we actually hold weight around our waist because of cortisol. It's the body's response to stress. But we're, when we're in stress zone, I often say food is moved. If, if you ever recall eating a high sugary cake or something like that, it gives us a high in the beginning, but then it drops. And, and a high comes from refined sugars like cakes and ice creams and things of that nature. It causes a high, but then it causes, it causes an extreme drop. So as a dietitian, I encourage people to eat fresh and whole fruits and vegetables because those are foods that have natural vitamins that can help strengthen your immunity which would, can make you less prone to attracting COVID-19. Bridget, why don't we make more salads? Why haven't we been making more salads during the pandemic? Well, it's, it's, it could be a variety of reasons. Um, our focus could be different at this time. We could be at a place now where we're just choosing something quick to get us through. For example, if you're a person that's balancing homeschooling and your job inside the house, you have most likely have less time to food prep. So it's a lot of variables that can go into what's existing for people in the COVID-19. And also some people have the notion of believing that healthier foods cost more when in actuality, that's not the truth. That's a myth. If I buy a bag of dried beans here in America, I can buy a bag of beans that can feed a family of four to six for $1.19 versus going to buy a hamburger and fries at McDonald's for 2 to $3. So that's an example of how we have a belief that healthier foods are more expensive, when in all actuality, that is not true. There are tips that I teach people when teaching them how to prepare foods, like using zucchini squash noodles for pasta versus regular pasta, which would allow them to incorporate more vegetables into their system and less carbohydrates starchy refined sugars which comes from things like pasta and white rice and white potatoes helping them helping them to identify foods that can still taste good and still be healthy and still help strengthen their immunity so maybe it isn't a money question but for some people depending on where they live they might not live close to a green grocer so so that's going to be a limitation to their incorporating more healthy foods into their diet during covid it can be, but but being able to attach people to the resources surrounding them. For example, I have worked with people that are in extreme poverty, 
conditions, like having to use a school pantry, but teaching them how to take those foods and rinse the sodium off of the canned goods to help it make it help the foods be more healthier. You can actually teach somebody to to reduce the sodium from their canned goods. I didn't know you could do that. How do you do that? Oh, absolutely. You, usually canned goods are extremely high in sodium unless it's specified no sodium added. So what I do is I have I teach people how to take that can, put the can of beans in a strainer, rinse all of that excess residue that has a lot of sodium inside of it, and it actually reduces the amount of sodium in that can. And, and that's useful, useful for people with limited resources. I'm actually partnered here um, in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, with a food pantry where I actually plan meals with the foods that are available to the people. Should we be teaching people how to eat healthy in school? Should it be part of our education system? Absolutely. Right now, children are becoming more at risk to COVID-19 because they're more at risk for disease. And one of those reasons are right now, children are less active because of COVID-19. Bridget, I've, uh, you know, so far we've been talking about food and it's a huge part of 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 the weight gain that people have experienced during COVID-19, but I want to get into to the physical activity. I have continued to work in the emergency department throughout the pandemic and I can tell you that during a typical shift I walk at least 10,000 steps during that shift just going back and forth in the emergency department. How many steps a day do you reckon people are missing on average simply because they're working from home? Oh, jeez. I don't know specifically because that would be an individual case by case, but I, I can tell you recommendations is to work out at least in half an hour a day. That could be something simple as just dancing in your house for half an hour, standing in place and just shifting your body. If you're a person that is not very mobile, doing something like sit and be fit where you're just moving your legs and arms. Just making sure that you get some sort of physical activity is key. Physical activity is not just important for keeping your weight off, but it's important for cardiovascular health. It's important for making us less prone to disease. And I can speak from that perception because I was once diagnosed as a diabetic. And I have this philosophy, and, and I live by this. If you can eat your way into poor health, you can eat your way into improved health outcomes. Now, that does not mean you would not have to take medication. I'm not saying that at all. I am saying that by the food choices that we make and by improving our physical activity, we reduce our risk to COVID-19 and certain diseases. Some people listening to us, Bridget, will have, will have gained weight for the first time in their adult lives. I want to know what's the long-term health impact of gaining that extra 10 to 20 pounds? Uh, what does it mean for most people? For most people, it, it would mean more at risk for diseases. When we put on extra weight, it makes us more um, prone to getting cancer, more prone to getting diabetes, heart failure, um, just the uh, lack of mobility. Oftentimes, people don't necessarily specifically look at the connection between mental health and physical wellness, but those are directly uh, connected. My approach as a dietitian is, I, we all should work on something daily, whether it's mental wellness, physical wellness, or emotional wellness. Because if one of those things is affected, all things are affected. For example, if someone has depression, 
you can the, the side effects for some people of depression could be extreme tiredness which means lack of physical activity maybe you're not eating during the time of depression that's just that's just an example of how all taking care of all the components of wellness are important during the COVID-19. You also make a psychological plan for your clients. Tell me how you do that. Yes. So my psychological plan begins with the discussion, my first discussion with my clients, finding out where they are, the stress in their life or non-stress in their life. What are they dealing with? What, what affects the food choices that they make? I have a question that I ask every client because oftentimes people come to me saying they're ready to lose the weight but then I ask them how bad do they want it and are they ready to do the work that would make that happen and oftentimes when they release the things that are going on in their life they understand that there's some work that they must do for example I have this course that I teach called decluttering your cabinets for weight loss success And oftentimes my clients can think I'm just talking about decluttering their food cabinets. But no, I'm talking about the surrounding elements. Who is your support team? Who does your shopping? Who who is there to either help you get to the goal or will keep sabotaging you from reaching your goal? So I try to help them surround their environment for long-term success. Because I never want to help people just lose weight and not keep it off. I want have long-term weight loss success. What about exercise? You know, how much of weight loss is about diet and how much is about exercise in promoting weight loss? Physical activity is extremely important, not just for weight loss, but for weight maintenance and for mental health. At least three to five days a week, at least. What about weighing ourselves? How often should we do that? Great question. (laughs) And the reason why I say that is because I'm personally not a promoter of weighing yourself because oftentimes people can get stuck in a funk about a scale. When you can physically be losing weight but just may not be able to quantify it by the scale. But I use measurements, waistline circumference, helping them to use a pair of old pants that they used to have to help them see their success. I always take before and after pictures. For example, a person can weigh the same 170 in fat and 170 in muscle. Muscle is leaner than fat. So when we when we when we make those modifications, we may not necessarily see it in pounds, but we can see it in our profile, in our picture. Since you mentioned muscle, what role does weight training play in in a weight loss program? Extremely important especially as we get older because our body reduces muscle mass as we age so it's extremely important in youth and older adults it just helps us keep our bodies lean and fit and it's also important when you're when you're adding uh, weight training making sure that you have the right food components in your body the right type of carbohydrates eating nuts and seeds, making sure that we have healthy fats, avocado oils, olive oils, um, incorporating um, the quality protein choices. 
and not eating fried foods, but baking our foods, or maybe eating some meat substitutes, but watching the sodium and meat substitutes. All of those things are components that are important when, when exercising and eating healthy. Amina is an activist during the Arab Spring. Her blog, Gay Girl in Damascus, attracts readers from around the world. When she's mysteriously abducted, her followers mobilize, desperate to save her. What they find shocks them. I'm Samira Moyedin, the host of Gay Girl Gone, a new six-part series from CBC. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to The Dose on CBC Radio 1. I'm Dr. Brian Goldman. Today, we're answering the question, what's the best advice for losing my COVID-19 pounds? To answer that question, we've got Bridget Wilder. She's a dietitian and an author. And she was once a yo-yo dieter who eventually lost 165 pounds and has mostly kept it off. Bridget, we've all heard of yo-yo dieting, losing weight and then gaining it all back. One study found that 70% of people who dieted regained their weight after they lost it. Say you've gained weight now for the first time during COVID-19. How do you keep from falling into that yo-yo dieting trap? The first place that you will begin from falling into that yo-yo trap is identifying why why are you yo-yo dieting? Are you a stress eater? Do you eat your fears? If you identify where your barriers are, it can help you have long-term success because then you know where the core issue is. So dealing with the core issue and then modifying your eating behaviors. And that could be simply done simply by journaling how you feel when you make certain choices. You were once a yo-yo dieter yourself, and yet you managed to lose 165 yes. pounds and, and keep it off. So so we want to yes. know how you were able to do that. Ah, <laughs> uh, a great question. First of all, um, before I went back to school to become a dietitian, I gave you my story of the severe life circumstances I had. And I noticed during that process, a family member pointed out to me that, Bridget, I think you're eating your fears. And I, the person was actually right. I started journaling my issues. I didn't even deal with the weight yet. I just wanted to know what was wrong with me. Why do I keep gaining and losing weight? What's wrong? Then I found out the connection. When I was fearful, I found myself grabbing food. When things were going on around my life, I didn't deal with the issue. I ate the issue. So I learned food food in and of itself was not the enemy. And let me give you an example of what that means. If I had a piece of cake in front of me, it takes my mind to tell my hand to pick up that cake and put it to my mouth. So that taught me that the food in and of itself was not the enemy. I made that choice. But why was I making that choice? If I had an orange and a piece of cake in front of me, why did not I choose the orange? It was because of the gratification that I, the gratification that I got emotionally from eating the cake. But the underlying issue was how I felt after I ate the cake. I felt horrible because now I put myself right back on a trend for regaining the weight that I just lost. So I had to deal with that. And as I got through that issue, I'm now at a place where, and and I I will tell you this, emotional eating triggers still happen. I just modify how I deal with it. 
for now I may choose to be proactive in creating healthy snacks and, and portion control. Making a serving of fruit or vegetables for a snack choice when I have those moments or exercising when I'm feeling stressed. Those are barriers that I, de I deal with now versus just impulse eating, if that makes sense. It does. I, I have a question for you. Have you gained any weight during COVID-19? I have not. I have actually lost more weight during COVID-19. But here's the thing. COVID-19, I already knew that it was going to come with some stresses for me because I had to navigate um, doing counseling over Zoom or doing counseling where it was normally face-to-face. -face. I had to do it over the phone. Un didn't understand what would be happening with my business so or with my family dynamic because here I was at a place where my business was beginning to thrive and grow. Then all of a sudden, I didn't know if I was going to be experiencing a setback. So stresses still came. But I was proactive by making sure I continued to walk inside my house. I was mindful to remember that I didn't want to go back to where I left. And furthermore, I have to be an example to the clients that I service. So I had all of those things in front of me that was more important to me. And I chose to remember the why behind my why on taking, taking on this journey to help. And then remembering that I lost a husband at the age of 37, lost my mom at 62, lost a child. And all of those issues that they dealt with could have been improved by way of nutrition. So wow. I keep my why in front of, keeping my why in front of me. And I'm still a very young woman. I'm, um, I'm not, it's been, it's been 11 years since my husband passed away. I'm only 47 years old and I, I can't go back knowing what is the implications or the results that come with allowing myself to gain that way back. Wow. Bridget, that's incredibly inspiring. Um, I have to you. ask you something. You deserve it. Um, I have to ask you something. You mentioned, you've mentioned a few times feeding your fear. Yes. And, and yes. so if you don't feed your fear, what's the alternative? To feel your fear? Well, you know, one thing about life, it doesn't stop because we have a goal. You know that with being a doctor and what it has taken for you to become a doctor. I'm sure there were stressful moments in your life taking tests that when some of us were able to sleep, you had to keep going. Life still happens even though we have a goal. But remembering your why is what can keep you on track. Do I want to live longer? Do I want to be here for my children? Is it worth it? Is, what, is, this food, is this food choice worth me putting everything I have at risk? Is it worth my life? What I mean by that is people stress over work. However, if you're not alive to be stressed for the work, then what did that do for you? So making yourself priority is always key because that makes you better for yourself and the people that you love. I just want to encourage all of the listening audience is simply remembering that you are worth it. I know some of you may have a lot going on right now. And as a dietitian, I don't want to come off as the person that doesn't understand that or is just saying choose healthy foods. No, I'm saying Choose yourself. Choose priority. Choose to understand that you are worth it. 
What are some of the other top tips that you have for these people who are squeezing themselves into their jeans and are surprised that they no longer fit? What should they, where should they begin? Okay. Number one, journaling. Number two, portion control. Because when you don't stick to portions, even if it's healthy food, you're at risk for weight gain. Oftentimes people think fruit is just fruit. Well, fruit is fruit. However, there is a serving size attached to fruit. For example, a serving size of grapes is literally close to 17 grapes versus just getting a big bowl of grapes and you're getting six to seven servings in a bowl. So understanding portion control, identifying what areas to shop in when you grocery shop, stand in the wider areas of the grocery store where they sell fresher food items, lowering your sodium intake, Purchasing foods that have less than 140 milligrams of sodium. Reducing intake of sugary beverages. That's a very strong one. These are some uh, tips that I give to my clients. And keep moving? Keep moving. Staying active daily. If, 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 if you are able to be mobile, please implement, implement an exercise routine daily. That's extremely critical, not just for weight loss, but for just overall wellness. Bridget Wilder, I have learned so much from you. It's been great to talk to you today. Thank you so much. I have enjoyed every bit of this interview. I hope that it was helpful. Thank you so much for speaking with us. Thank you. Have a great day. You too. Bridget Wilder is a dietitian and author. We reached her at her home in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. The COVID-19 is real. At least 10% of people have gained somewhere between 10 and 20 pounds. Stress is a big factor because it leads to emotional eating of foods, high in sugar and salt. Another is lack of physical activity. Here's your dose of smart advice. Don't feed your fears. Instead, try and understand your stress and accept it. Reduce your consumption of highly processed foods, especially foods high in sugar and salt. Trying to decide between fruit and a piece of cake? Keep the long game in mind. Try to picture yourself in 15 or 20 years going hiking or playing with a grandchild. That will make your decision a lot easier. Try to exercise around half an hour a day. If you must remain at home, keep moving, whether it's doing knee bends or dancing around the living room. And don't weigh yourself too often. It's about eating right and exercising, not a number on a scale. At The Dose, we'll continue to bring you the latest information on COVID-19 and other health news. If you have topics you'd like to hear on The Dose, email us at thedose at cbc.ca. You can tweet me at NightShiftMD or at CBCWhiteCoat. Remember to use the hashtag TheDoseCBC. You can find The Dose and White Coat Black Art wherever you get your podcasts. Please do us a favor and rate our shows so more people can find us. This episode of The Dose was produced by Jeff Goods with Sujata Berry and digital support from Fabiola Carletti. Thanks to Lauda Antonelli for her technical expertise in the studio. The Dose wants you to be better informed about your health, but if you're looking for medical advice, see your healthcare provider. I'm Dr. Brian Goldman. Until your next dose.
For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.